Amen. You know, John was teaching in Sunday school this morning. Did I turn this on? I did, right? John was teaching in Sunday school this morning. What a tremendous Sunday school class we had this morning. And he was talking about uh, leaving our first love. When we were, uh, actually before we were shaking hands, I don't remember, somewhere this morning, somebody uh, mentioned to me that they appreciate my smile, that it seems to be a genuine smile. And I said, well, I believe it is a genuine smile. I said, I don't smile when I'm not happy. It said, I, my children can tell very quickly just by the various expressions on my face how I feel. Even when I'm sitting you know, on the platform, they can tell. And um, he was talking about, uh, I said, you know, when I used to sit in the pew before I went into the ministry, I found it far easier to just rejoice throughout the entire service than I do now because I just am aware that, well, when we're done singing this, something else has to happen and I have to remember, what is it, and am I supposed to do it, is John supposed to do it, is Kenny, who's supposed to do the next thing? And it just seems like the pastor ought to be aware of the next thing that's going to happen. But I've, I really believe that God would have us to assemble to worship, to praise his name, to, to enjoy, really truly enjoy this time of fellowship. You know, you, you all work so hard all week long, there's so much that goes on in your life all week long and we have such a small period of time throughout the week when we get to assemble together in the house of God and are able to to worship God together to hear the word of God together to be able to pray together to be able to weep together what a privilege truly what a privilege it is to be able to spend this time uh, together week after week after week and I'm just so grateful and so thankful listening to those young ladies uh, sing. What a tremendous blessing it is. Rebecca was practicing that song uh, yesterday evening at our house, and she was walking around singing off-key, terribly off-key, on purpose. And she said something like, well, that's really work. And uh, I was telling uh, Mike Drury this this morning, and he said, it's not work for me. And I said, it's not work for me. Singing off-key is easy, amen? So we can sing off-key all day long, amen? And uh, just to listen to them sing together, and to think, that God has, has just saved some of these girls and is just changing their lives remarkably and to watch them grow together in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus, knowing that soon there are so many decisions that these young people have to make. This evening, after the evening service, they'll, they'll leave immediately, those that are going to the wilds, and that's a lot of people. And then they'll go to this place and go bowling. As it was already said, they'll, play, they'll, go, they'll get some food together and they'll spend a couple of hours over there. And then they'll come back and we'll begin preparing their hearts for, the, uh, for their trip to the wilds so that when they, when they get on the bus at like 3 o'clock in the morning or whatever time it is, that, uh, and they'll probably, you know, probably start to rest there for the long trip, that God will be working in their hearts and minds before they arrive at the wilds. Many of them just got back from the trip to Chicago, and God is still at work in their heart from the things that they did in Chicago. Tonight we'll get to hear the testimony about some of those things that God did in their lives, uh, some of the things they got to see God doing when they were up in Chicago. I'm just so thankful, truly, I mean that, so thankful for all the things that God is doing. Let's get our Bibles and open to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, Brother John read in First Peter chapter 1 from verse 6 through verse 16. 
This morning we're going to uh, focus in, last week we focused in a little bit on verses 10, 11, and 12, and this week we're going to focus in a little bit on verses 13 through 16. So if you'll open your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to read, um, I'm going to read, it's not even at the end of a period, but I'm going to start reading in verse 8. I'm read verse 8 through 16, and you can follow along, and we'll pray, and then we'll look at a couple of things. Starting in verse 8, speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ, you can find that at the end of verse 7. Whom, our Lord Jesus Christ, having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receiving the end or the goal of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things that the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversations. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Father, in these minutes that you've given us together this morning in your word, would you use the power of your own word and the power of your own Holy Spirit to accomplish what no preacher can accomplish? And that is to meet the heart need of everyone that hears this message. Lord, I ask you that you would be honored and glorified, that you yourself, through the Lord Jesus Christ, would be honored and glorified by everything that is preached and taught. Everything that we see together this morning, Lord, would you so work in the lives of your children that we would be conformed to the image of Christ. And Father, those that are here this morning who are not new creatures, who are not born again, no matter what they've said or done in the past, if they're not new creatures, Father, would you save them for Jesus' sake? We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just want to take a couple of minutes. Uh, last week, as I mentioned, uh, we looked at verses 10 through 12. Uh, 10 through 12 making reference to the fact that this, so in verse 9 we say, we see this, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation. So this, this end, boy, there's so much here. Really, there's so much here. One of the things that I am um, uh, aware of is the need to continue to switch back and forth between kind of a wide-angle lens, if you will, and then a macro lens of focusing in and zooming in on a couple of things and then backing up to make sure that we see it in context. Listen to this statement, please. It matters to you what the Word of God says in the context of the Word of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, it does not matter to you what some preacher, what some man stands behind a thing shaped roughly like this and says to you. What matters is what does God say in his word from the word of God in 
context. Because preaching is typically somewhere between 30 minutes and an hour, or more sometimes, but often between 30 minutes and an hour, because of that, it's very difficult to both establish context and look with any depth at a couple of verses at the same time. One of the reasons that we preach expository here at Tidewater is for that reason, so that you can remember what last week was and the week before that and the week before that and the week before that, so you can continually get a wide-angle look so you can see this in its context, and then we can zoom in and look at a few words or a few verses and get the context of those things, that your confidence, that your personal confidence would be in God and not the preacher and not the church. That your confidence would be in what does God say in his word. At two o'clock in the mornings, a clever sermon will do you no good. But at two o'clock in the morning, the word of God will do you great good. All you have to be able to remember is where to open your Bible to find it. It is better for you that you remember, whatever you remember this morning, that you remember what the words of God say and not what I would say about what the words of God say. Now, God has given pastors and teachers. It is, there is a purpose for this. And the idea is to expose, to give you the context, to help you to see the words in, in a in a living way, meaning in, in your own real life. That's what God wants to accomplish. But you need your confidence to be in the Word of God. And it is my desire that that's exactly where your confidence would be. Now, verse 13 says this, Wherefore? Now, we, in verse 9, we're receiving the end. Now, this is the same, again, you may care, you may not care. This is the same Greek word. Now, the end of the commandment, the goal of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, a good conscience, and faith unfeigned. We find that in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. The goal of all the church going, the, ch the goal of Sunday school class, the goal of Wednesday night, the goal of Thursday night studies, the goal of Tuesday night studies, the goal of prayer on Saturday morning, the goal of going to the brig, the union mission, the, uh, the nursing homes, the jail, the goal of all of these things, the goal... The end of all of this is charity, love, out of a pure heart, a good conscience, and faith unfeigned. Now we see in verse 9, receiving the end of your faith. The goal of your faith is that you who are born again would keep your faith, that he which hath begun a good work in you shall perform it, and that you should live now from the time that you're saved, from the time that you're born again, that you should live from that time until you are with Jesus. Whether you sleep, whether you die here on earth and go to be absent from the body and to be present immediately with him, or whether he comes in, in the cloud, whether he comes in the trumpet sound, and praise God for that. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I mean, yea, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. If the trumpet were to sound right now, then Whatever you and I don't understand, whatever you and I don't agree well, I promise you it'll get worked out just like that. Amen? Just like that. We will know as we are known, and we will be in the presence of the Lord Jesus, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Just like that. But this is not that time, I guess. So during this time, what does he want? The point of verses 10, 11, and 12 is what we have now, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, what we have now is a promise from the prophets in the Old Testament. Christ was going to come. He was going to live a perfect life. He was going to win salvation 
for all of us. He was going to say to telestai, which means it is finished. And praise God, it was going to be finished when he said so. He was going to live that perfect life, lay down that perfect life, purchase your salvation, pay for your sins, and ascend to God the Father. But that was the beginning of the promise. The, the next part of the promise was, and he said so, it is expedient for you that I go away. I must leave because when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost to live within you. Because again, it's really important you understand this. Greater than Emmanuel, which means God with us. Greater than God with us, which is what the Lord Jesus was, is God in us, which is what the Holy Spirit is. So if you're a new creature, then God the Holy Spirit lives in you now. Praise God. And, the, and listen, the prophets knew this is what was coming. And they also knew they weren't going to be the ones to get it. Until Christ came, the Holy Ghost could not come and indwell people but he has praise god amen so listen the significant reality if you get from that to verse 13 is this because what it says in verse 13 the very first thing is wherefore gird up the loins of your mind what's what he's saying is this if they could patiently wait for us to receive the gift of the holy spirit then you and i can patiently wait till the lord jesus comes to get us amen that's what we're going to see together this morning. Now, now, in the time that we live right now together, we are to live together differently than the Old Testament believers did because we have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. And I promise you, that changes everything. The reason that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit has not changed American Christianity as it should is because most Christians do not understand the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They do not understand the power of the Holy Spirit within them to conform them to the image of Christ in reality on the inside that manifests it on the outside. And God wants us to lay hold of these things. And so we'll look at that together this morning. Now, the way we'll see this is in a um, five-pointed exhortation. Verses 13 through 16 contain a five-pointed exhortation. I don't know how far we'll get into this today, but we'll start looking at it together today. And I may do the broad brushstrokes on this today and go back and look in a little bit more detail in the next couple of weeks. But start in verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. So here are the, if you want to write this down, if you want to underline these things or write these things down, here are the five points that he makes. Starting in verse 13 and running through verse 16. One, Gird up the loins of your mind, or prepare your minds for action. Gird up the loins of your mind, or prepare your minds for action. Number two, be sober, or you could say be self-controlled. Number three, hope to the end. Set your hope. Number three, hope to the end. And what you'll find is this. These are all in verse 13. Then starting in 14, 15, and 16, you see these other two. The first one is not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. That's a long one, but it's all one thing, really. Not fashioning yourself according to the former lust in your ignorance. That's number four. And the last one is be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Now, I'll point out to you, for those of you that care about this, that numbers one and two and four are participles. Number three, hope to the end, Number five, be holy, are imperatives or commands. And this is important. Listen, hope is a command. It's qualified by gird up the loins of your mind 
and be sober. Be ye holy is a command, and it is qualified by not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. This is what God wants us to see. So let's start here in verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. What a strange statement. How many of you, how many of you use the phrase, gird up your loins, regularly? Anybody use that a lot? Gird up your loins. I say it all the time. When I'm, when I'm quoting 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. When it was written in the context, it was a significant truth. And here's how it goes. If you're getting ready to take a, a trip, a journey, then the first thing that you would do is to prepare yourself to take that trip. This is very, gird up the loins of your mind is this. Check the oil in your car. Check the tire pressure in your tires. How many of you, listen, I'm about to get some husbands in trouble here probably, okay? Before you get ready to take a trip, how many of you check the oil in your car and check the air pressure in your tires before you take that trip? Anybody do that? Look at all these liars or good people, one or the other, amen? <laughs> Praise God, okay? Because before, you know, one of the things, years ago, I was pulled over by a police officer because my tags had expired. And he told me, he pulled me over and he said, your tags are expired. And my answer was this, shouldn't somebody have sent me something in the mail? And his response was, it's your responsibility to check the sticker on your license plate. And I said, really? Don't I send money to somebody to do that? Because we do, right? I mean, I mean, it's like they have one job, for crying out loud. We pay them, they send us a sticker. The sticker comes, you put it on your license plate, right? And so he, he said, he said um, you, haven't, you, have, you have paid for it. He looked it up. You have paid for it. So where's the sticker? He said, I have no idea where the sticker is. So, so, I went to the, so I went to DMV, which is always fun, right? So I went to DMV because I had nothing else to do that day. So I went to DMV, and I waited. And when I got up there, I said to the lady, I said, uh, I got a ticket for my, I explained it all to her. And he said, he said that I paid for it. And I didn't get my, and she looked at it, and she said, you're right. We never sent it to you. And I said, oh, good. I said, well, can you write like a letter that says that so I can go see the judge and say it was your fault that I didn't get the little sticker? And she said, No because that's how the DMV goes, amen? And, and this is what she said, it's not, my, it's not our fault that you drove your car without that sticker. And I said, kind of is, because I paid you for it, you never sent it to me. The point that I'm making is this, it, it is our responsibility in our own lives that we hear what the word of God says to us, what God wants to accomplish in our lives. Now, I didn't check that because I didn't know to check that. But God is telling us right here, this is so important, right here in 1 Peter, he wants us, according to verse 8, he wants us to live a life of rejoicing with joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. But this is what he wants you to know. You need to gird up your loins. This seems so contrary. God wants you and I to understand it's a fair distance from where you were saved to when you're going to be with Jesus. There are very few people who live the way the thief on the cross lived. The thief on the cross that believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and died that day. There are very few people. Some of you heard the testimony of the gentleman I went to visit in a hospital. I went to visit one man in a hospital, and while I was giving the gospel to him, and he rejected it, not just rejected it, rejected it angrily. But in the room was another man, and the man in the other bed said, Father, 
could you come over here and talk to me? And so I went over there and talked to him, and he said, I heard what you were saying to that gentleman. Could I ask Jesus to save me today? And I said, yes, sir, you could. And, I, and he did not wait for me to see. He just went right into praying. And he asked God, and he went into, into, I mean, he confessed his sins. I'm not just saying he confessed that he was a sinner. He confessed specific sins. He was not ashamed to talk about sin in his life because he wanted Jesus to forgive him. When he was done, he looked up at me and he said, I'm forgiven. And I said, yes, sir, you are. And, he, and this is what he said, and I remember this feeling. I feel light. And I thought he was going to ask me to come over and meet with him because he was dying of something. But what he was dying of was sin, and he knew it. And he didn't know how long he had to live, but he wanted God to save him right then. The next day, I went back to see both of these men. And, and when I went into the room, the room was empty. There was nobody in the room. So I walked down to the nurse's station and said, where are the two men that are in the room, blah, blah, blah. And they said, Mr. So-and-so, who's the man I'd gone to see originally the day before, has been moved to such and such. The other gentleman, Mr. So-and-so, who I never got his name other than his first name, Mr. So-and-so died last night. So he trusted the Lord Jesus Christ and died that day. But that's not what happens for most of us. I was saved when I was 22 years old, and I'm not 22 years old anymore. I'm 53 years old, so 31 years ago I was saved. Now God says that life is but a vapor. So the time on this earth compared to eternity is a very quick period of time. But it doesn't always seem quick, does it? Have any of you ever been waiting at the drive-thru for the car in front of you? And you think to yourself, what are they ordering in that car? Right? You know, what's, you, you know, you drive into the drive-thru and the car in front of you is a Suburban and you think, I'm not eating here, right? I mean, these, these people got a Suburban, you know? I mean, the family in front of this got like 40 kids in that thing, right? And everybody doesn't want exactly what's on the menu. They want whatever. The, anyway, some things seem longer than others. Sometimes life seems long. This is really important to us this morning. It is important to you that you realize and understand that God knows life seems long when you're going through difficulties. Now, he already qualified this. Look back just a couple of verses and look at uh, in verse, um, verse 6. Wherein ye you, you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, just a short period of time, just a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. God knows you are in heaviness. So this is what he says. Gird up your loins means this. Because of the way they dressed back in this time, they wore, everybody wore basically dresses. Everybody wore long, loose clothing that had the appearance of like a long uh, dress type appearance. And before they got ready to go on a long trip, men would do this. They would take the bottom where their feet would walk and they would take it up and tuck it into their girdle or their belt so that when they walked, they could stretch their legs out and walk further distance when they were doing so and they didn't get the bottom of their clothes dirty. That was the re that's what happened. So what God is saying is this. This is not a short period of time probably between when you were saved and when everything is made perfect. So, gird up your loins. Get ready to take this together. Get ready to take this walk together. And the first thing that God says is this, gird up your loins. Recognize this is not going to be a small period of time as you're going to measure it. The way God measures it is life is but a vapor. And all of us know, everybody that's getting older is very aware of this. The days go by Right? The weeks go by like this. The months go by. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, it's almost August. And I said, I am at the, honestly, I'm not exaggerating. I am at the point in my life now when I forget what year it is sometimes. 
Because the years go by, it's like it's 2003, right? Four, five, no, 17, 17, yeah, that's right. I was close, right? Time goes by so quickly. The other day, somebody asked how old one of my children was, and, and, I, and I started to think, oh, I, I, used to know what, when, I used to know what year they were born. But then I thought, I don't think it'd matter anyway, because I don't think I know what year it is now. So I'm not sure that I could do the math anyway. Life goes by so quickly, but when you're going through a difficulty, it seems to slow way down, doesn't it? And God knows that. And so he says, I want you to, this is the first thing he says, gird up the loins of your mind. Not, not gird up the loins of your attire that you wear. Gird up the loins, listen, change the way you think about the time here on earth. Gird up the loins of your mind and recognize that it is an extended period of time. And there will be seasons of heaviness during this time. But the seasons of heaviness are not meant to take away your rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now, let, I, I'm going I'm to pause here because one of the things that I have come to enter into, and this card that I read causes me to understand this. You want to know what the difference is between the difficult time that I go through? You want to know what changes it? Not going through it alone. Not going through it alone. A few weeks ago, um, I don't know how many weeks ago it was now, we, you know, there's some work being done in the parking lot. Those of you that are visiting, the, by the way, there's a little kind of a bump when you come into the parking lot over there. That will go away, Lord willing, in sometime in the next couple of weeks. This work on the parking lot, I don't know how many, a month ago maybe. We started cutting out some of the bad spots. Do you know how we cut them out? We used a uh, um, jackhammer. The jackhammer weighed 90 pounds. 90 pounds. What a stupid idea. 90 pounds. And, and i got to be honest with you. I, I, I had always thought I wanted to run a jackhammer. You know, you, you, you know you're, you're driving down the road and the guy's beside you. And you think, man, that just looks like, it just does, if you're a man, it just looks like so much fun. Man, I want to run that jackhammer. And so I got here, and, and, it was, and we had it out there, and, 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 you know, and Ronnie Jacobs, and if those of you that know Ronnie Jacobs, Ronnie Jacobs is not a little fella, right? He's a big, strong guy. And so Ronnie Jacobs is running the jackhammer, and he's literally just moving, and it's like 147 degrees outside. And so I'm thinking, oh, man, I go over there, and there are people waiting in line to use it. And I kind of, you know, I kind of walk over, and nobody, nobody seems to be close to him in line, though. So I thought, well, maybe everybody's been doing it. I'll just walk over and get kind of the head of line. If nobody stops me, then I'll just do it next. And so he, so he gives it to me, and he, it's not in the ground. So he kind of leans it over to me, and when I took hold of it, it's like 90 pounds. And I'm like, oh, this is not a good idea, you know? And so I put it in. Now, by the way, going in is easy. Going in is easy the first time. You go in, and then you got to get it back out. Now, if you're Ronnie Jacobs' height, you can just pull it out. But, but if you're Glenn Mongold in my height, Glenn and I are just a little bit. you got to pull it out and then do a shoulder shrug at the end to get it out of the ground. Three of those, and I realize I am not a man anymore, Amen. There was a time in my life when I, this was something that I could do. Now, I'm saying this for a reason, because I promise you, I don't know how many hours we worked that day, but it seemed like 340, amen? While we were doing this work, now, by the way, there were a couple teenagers, Micah, Micah, Micah Paul was there, and Caden, Caden was there, right? And, of course, they're teenage boys, and teenage boys, they've got to, they, you know, when you get to my age, you don't have to prove anything about strength anymore. You've been there and done that, but when you're a teenage boy, if there had been girls here, they would have worked a lot harder, I promise you, okay? <laughs> But there were no girls to watch them. So these two boys, they got to take their turn. And what they realized was this. I'm not a man yet. 
this thing will wear you out. This thing will wear you out. God, listen, this is, this is so critically important. The difference between using that and using that was knowing. Glenn and I were joking about this the other day. There was a line of people, because we're taking turns. And you could only do it for a couple minutes, Ronnie, right? I mean, again, as big as strong as Ronnie Jacobs is, even he could only do it for a couple minutes toward the end because it was just so hot, so terribly. By the way, we changed to a backhoe to rip, the, to, to rip this out. That was the only day we used the jackhammer. After that day, we said, I don't care what it costs. We're, we're getting another tool to rip this asphalt out because I'm not using a jackhammer. I'm not doing it. I mean, if anybody wants to come and volunteer and do it. But what happened is this. The difference between me doing this and knowing that eventually Glenn would feel sorry for me and come over and stand close enough so I could hand it to him and he did it, is the difference between being exhausted in the journey and not being exhausted in the journey. We are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together because God intends that we would love one another and help one another. That when you're going through a terrible time, every, you ever notice that everybody in the church isn't going through a terrible time at the same time? And here's what happens. People have a tendency to come to church only when they're going through a difficulty. But if you do that, who's going to help? If you're going through a great time in your walk with God, please come and help those that aren't going through a great time with God. Do you understand? And listen, God purposes. One of the things that, uh, that Sister Rhonda has realized is this, and I know I said it recently. There are a number of people in our church, ladies in our church, who did not know Rhonda Dix well at all until she got cancer. And now they know her very well. Why? Because God immediately knit their hearts together. Immediately. But do you want to know why God immediately knit their hearts together? Because God loves Rhonda Dix. That's why. And he loves her so much that he will burden your heart and my heart for her. That's the love of God. Do you understand? You and I do not know how to love each other unconditionally, but praise God the Holy Spirit does know how to love unconditionally. And God the Holy Spirit will so work in your heart and my heart that we will care about each other. We will bear one another's burden. We will go through the pain that, has to, that causes us to take place. So what he says is this, gird up the loins of your mind. Recognize that you are here not just to get to the end, but to get to the end together. We are meant to go through this together. God desires that we understand that he wants to accomplish this in our lives. The second thing that he says, and I believe it's the only thing we're going to look at this morning, is the first and the second one. The second thing that he says is to be sober. Be sober. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. Now this, this does not mean don't be drunk, although it does mean don't be drunk. But it does not mean just don't drink. What it means is this. To be free from every form of mental or spiritual drunkenness or success. But rather than being controlled by outside circumstances, believers should be filled with the Spirit. You want to see this? Turn to Ephesians. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. And, and verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 5 says this, And be not drunk with wine, very same idea as be sober, wherein is, success, is, is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now look, let's see what that looks like, because it's explained to us. Look, listen, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, 
singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This, this is what walking in the Spirit looks like. This is what it means to be sober. To be so, listen, it is so easy for us to be drunk with our own selfishness. It is so easy for us to, look, lose sight of the fact that God knows that our enemy is a roaring lion, walking around seeking whom he can devour. Listen, you wonder how he wants to devour you? This is so important. Hear me. I don't think I can make it to church today. I'm just going through too much. That's stupid. I'm going through so much, I must go to church today. Do you understand? I need to be around the brethren. Have any of you ever watched the different, there's a, a, a billion different, um, uh, what do you want to call it? Like, uh, uh, I can't think of the word I want to say. Animal kingdom type things. Where, where lions are going to kill anything. Whatever they're going to kill. A gazelle, a water buffalo, whatever it is. What's the first thing they do? Anybody know? They get one of them what? Alone. They get one of them separated, right? Yes? No? And what's funny is you can watch, I mean, I've, I've watched these different videos, you know. What you watch is this. Here the gazelles all run one way, and the lions keep turning and turning and turning them and turning it. And what they want to have happen is they want all of them to go one way except for one. And then for that one to suddenly realize that he's stranded. And then what they'll do is they'll surround that one and do what? Kill it. And eat it. Right? There's a really good one, by the way. If you guys want to watch, there's one where they, where they get a, uh, it's, it is, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating, there's a water buffalo and, and lions and an alligator. And guess who wins? The water buffalo. It's amazing. You should watch it. Really, look it up. Look up water buffalo, uh, lions, and alligators. It's amazing. Because these, I mean, these lions have got this poor water buffalo, and they're dragging it down towards the water. And just as they're getting it down towards the water, this big alligator comes out. And it's like, is this, a, is, this a, is this real? Right? Sorry, I just changed that off. <laughs> but what's really bad is I'm, I'm getting old enough now where I can't do that so often because I forget how to get back to where I was going. God wants you not to come to church today because, listen, God, God wants you to come to church today because the enemy wants to get you singled off by yourself. Nobody's ever gone through the difficulty like I'm going through today. I have the worst life on the planet. Nobody cares for me at all. And I'm going to stay here and not tell anybody and they're going to feel bad about everybody, by the way, because they didn't come help me. That's just silly. That's just silly. We cannot bear one another's burdens if we don't know about one another's burdens. We have to assemble together. We have to be honest. Be sober about this. Understand that the enemy knows what he's very, very clever. He knows what he's doing. He wants to single you off. Do not be singled off. Never, ever, ever be singled off. Find two or three or four godly men or women. If you're a man, find three or four godly men in your life that you can be honest with about everything in your life. If you can't be honest with everybody in the church, find four in the church that you can be honest with. Women, do the exact same thing so that when you're not here, there are people who care enough to call you and say, are you okay? Are you okay? But people don't know if they don't know. Somebody asked me the other day, does anybody know where so-and-so is? And I suddenly thought, that's true. I haven't seen so-and-so. Let's find out if he is okay. We must assemble together. Now notice, and I'm, I'm going to introduce this last one, and then we'll be dismissed, because it's at the end of this verse. So, so it says, uh, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end 
for the grace that is, that is brought unto you at the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hope to the end. Now listen, we all know the word hope doesn't mean wish, right? We know here at Tidewater the word hope means to wait for, to expectantly wait. Hope means it's going to happen, it just hasn't happened yet. The word end is the same word end as in verse 9. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. So, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober during this time, and hope or wait expectantly to, to the end for that grace that's going to come and, and, and change everything. Now, look up here for just a moment and we'll be, and we'll be dismissed this morning. The grace of God is what saves you. Yes? The grace of God is what's going to get you all the way to the end. And the grace of God is what's going to come get you at the end. Amen? Listen. Don't believe in some kind of warm, fuzzy kitten Christianity. God is aware that you live in a wicked world. And you're still wrestling with your flesh Day after day. Why do we have to daily deny ourselves, take up our cross, and fall? Why? Why? Because every day your flesh wakes up and says, I want to be in control. I want to be in control today. You've been walking with Jesus. You've been walking after the Spirit for three or four days now, and I am sick of it. Today we will do this. I will get my way today. And you will ruin your walk with Jesus in doing so. Don't do it. Don't do it. Paul said that he buffets his flesh, meaning he literally said to his flesh, I will punch you in the nose. No, you cannot have your way. Your flesh is not your friend. Jesus is your friend. Don't let your flesh have its way. Let Jesus have his way in your life. So hope to the end. So listen, let's just agree on this together this morning. If you're a new creature, if you're a new creature, find a place where you can assemble together regularly with other new creatures and be sober in your mind, understanding it's an extended period of time with this difficulty and then that difficulty, but I can still go through it while rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory because of the testimony of my brothers and sisters, because of the way God so loves me that he gives me others in my life who will give me his love and not their love. Father, thank you for this time together this morning. I thank you for your word. Lord, I, I thank you for all that you want to accomplish. I ask you, Lord, that you would bless us, that you would be honored and glorified in everything that's done in our lives. Father, take your word and cause us to lay hold of it this morning, this afternoon, this evening. Bless our young people as they get ready to go and bless the testimonies tonight. Thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen.